Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. camp and Kyle and Levi and I along with Pepper are up here at the Scree lease in Oklahoma we've been hunting this week and we're down to the last day and it's midday we got one hunt left this evening before the hunt wraps up so uh, we're just gonna have a little discussion about how the week's gone what the hunting's been like and whatever else we come up with Remind you that we're giving away a Bear Execute 30 fully rigged out with Trophy Ridge accessories for every Louisiana Bowhunter hat sold between now and December the 15th. Giving the giving the drawing and the giveaway will be on December the 16th. So every hat you buy at LouisianaBowhunter.com gets you into the drawing for the new Bear Execute 30 fully rigged out with Trophy Ridge accessories. So as I mentioned. Here in our lovely Airbnb, it's me, me, me. <laughs> what do you want us to say? I want you all to go around and say hello. Hi, my name is Levi. Hello, Colin. Sup, Pep. <laughs> Man, I really thought y'all would have caught on to that a little bit better. That didn't go so well. Um, I thought you were going to introduce us. I don't have to introduce you. You're on every episode. 
So <laughs> you're the host. Um, so it's uh, it's November the eighth, and we've been here since when? November the fourth. It's day five. Five days. Um, so basically, what happened here was we we did the hunt with Scree giveaway, and that hunt was October. What two weeks ago or so? It's about it's yeah it's getting it right at two weeks and it was like October twenty first or something like that yeah somewhere around there and when that week ended we we had a um, we had a little bit of activity right there at the end of it I heard a deer grunting chasing does and our giveaway winner Dylan killed a deer that he actually rattled up and Chad and Hunter from Cruiser Saddles was also in camp with us and they heard a deer fighting. Uh, across the creek they couldn't see it but they could hear some chasing and they heard some deer sparring or whatever and we thought well you know starting to see a few scrapes and I'm looking at the weather and I'm like you know what I think the first week of November like we need to go home for a week and we need to get back up here I think it's going to be on like November the 5th and I convinced Levi to take off work. I didn't have to do much convincing for Pep. It was like one text message. He's like, yep, I'm going to call Levi. I'll, I'll talk him into it. So me and Colin and Levi you and couldn't Pepper, convince him over the summer, though, to you no, know, shoot he, pigs, We couldn't get him to come help do anything. But he once was season more than willing to yeah. come on. Yeah. Like, moment's notice. It's funny yep. how that always works. Um. <laughs> So the idea was, was me and Colin and Pepper and Levi, and we were going to split up and hunt in pairs and swap off filming and hunting and do all that. And everything was good. And then like a day after I got everybody to make plans and take off work and shit, the weather forecast completely changed. And now it's 85 degrees and the wind's been blowing out of the south the whole time. And as you probably all know, we had a big cold front that came all the way through it came through up here. It came through Louisiana. We had those really cold temperatures around Halloween. And uh, when that moved out, the shit moved in. And during that cold snap, the deer really lit up up here. We, we, we got here, and we were looking around and pulling camera cards. Lots of deer on camera during that cold weather. Lots of new scrapes everywhere. But the, the hot weather has really kind of made it difficult hunting conditions. But we have had a little success. We've had some success and some failure. But we've uh, we've spent way more hours in a tree trying to figure out when and how a deer might move than we have actually seen deer. But uh, I'm not going to tell Levi's story for him. I'm going to let him him and Colin were hunting together, and they had some success. So I'm going to let y'all tell that story. Y'all go for it. All right. You're the you're the hunter, so just start, and we'll kind of. Um. Well, the first morning. We set up on like a field edge, didn't really have much luck. It's obviously, like Locke said, the weather's been real crappy. Um, Locke actually shared his pen, all his pens on the property with me before we got up here. So I kind of spent a little bit of time at night kind of just looking over them and see kind of what I thought. Uh, Me and Colin actually got done hunting was it Sunday morning? Saturday. Or Saturday morning. Was it Saturday day one or was Sunday day one? I thought we drove up on Friday. I think it was Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, we drove up on Friday. Yeah, we drove up on Friday. So yeah. Our first day. Saturday. We got done hunting Saturday morning. And uh, I mentioned a lot going and checking a few 
about checking on a few places that he really hadn't been. Uh, he's hunted in and around there, but there was one place of particular interest kind of uh, south of a food, little food plot that they got planted. Uh, they've had some cameras out on either side of this spot uh, early season in the summer and had some bucks in there. Um, and... To back up just a little bit, actually, Friday afternoon, we went and checked a camera on a field edge that was by some acorn trees uh, right on a fence line. And Locke got out of the truck and actually smelled a buck down kind of off this Yeah, you could smell him really, in the, really In the woods. Yeah. In the woods, mm-hmm. off the field. Off the field down edge. Down in the creek bottom. Got a good whiff of him, and he was like, "Don't smell that." And anyways, I got a whiff of it too, and smelled it. It was definitely a buck. You can you can tell obviously when they you know the ruts are just getting fired up. You can smell their tarsals pretty good. Well, one of those pin drops was actually the one of the places I wanted to check out was actually kind of on the other side of from the field edge where that buck was. So me and Colin walked in there, and just to kind of give everybody kind of a visualization of what it looked like. You walk down off a walk down a high line a little ways and dive off into the woods. You walk through some little blackjack oaks is what uh Locke calls them. Um and the topography kind of goes down the hill and kind of makes just kind of a a knot down there before it gets down to a creek bottom. And me and Colin walked in there probably about 11:30 uh saturday morning and got to a knob right before you got down to the creek bottom and looked up and there happened to be an old lock on that was probably from last year i think it was probably maybe it wasn't that old. i mean it was safe i mean it wasn't yes it was safe it wasn't it was grown into the tree a little bit because we yeah after the hunt we actually uh moved the stand to a different tree that we thought was a little better but uh, it was actually only about eight foot off the ground the stand was overlooking kind of that bottom. Anyways, uh, Monday morning we decided to go in there and hunt it. Uh, I climbed up in that old lock on. Colin got behind me in his saddle. and uh, We'll talk about the evening before what we did. The evening before. So the, so this, this is a 1,100-acre piece of property. And, I mean, we've hunted here, you know, we've made a couple trips up here, but, I mean, there's a lot of property that we haven't seen, and there's still a lot of property. So, the first evening after we scouted that place that Levi just told you about, we were going to go do a hanging hunt, and we walked in, and we're just kind of looking for sign, and we ended up not even hunting. We just walked, like, and scouted for, like, three three, miles miles. the whole afternoon. And we found some... I mean, we jumped a buck, we jumped a couple deer, um, and we found some, we found some sign, nothing like red hot that made us want to hunt, but, so yeah, we're, at this point, we've kind of just scouted a lot, and we've looked at a lot of different new places that we haven't been to, because uh, the rut is kind of starting to get kicked off, so there's sign showing up everywhere, so that's, that's kind of where we are now into yeah. the next morning yeah we 
we got down in there obviously before daylight got set up uh got my bow up the tree and it was it was still very dark uh we looked up coming through the bottom was a looked like a lone boar it's a pretty big hog yeah. uh and i don't really know this property very well but according to lock and Colin, this thing is does not have a shortage of pigs on it uh it does not no so the pig came got to like 30 yards which was you know plenty close enough to shoot but i just couldn't quite see it in my peep good enough and i got picked on by calling and lock <laughs> but i just didn't put an error trying in. to be make a make a perfect shot and i'm like dude just shoot it anywhere <laughs> just anywhere you can hit it just so anyways i didn't shoot the pig and lo and behold there was probably about 20 more pigs that came after him of course they were all out of range uh and kind of went back up up north of us there um kind of followed that creek bottom up and i don't know it was probably about 45 minutes to an hour later uh I was looking off down in that bottom, and I did catch a glimpse of a deer down there. Couldn't really tell what it was. It was probably about, how far did you say, Colin? Like 100, 100 150 yards probably, 120 yards maybe from us. Yeah. And this isn't your typical bottom. There's a lot of uh, brows in there, and really and truly, even at that distance, the deer could lay down in there, and you wouldn't see him. It was, it was thick down there where we caught eyes on him. Anyways, picked binoculars up. I couldn't tell what he was. I just got a glimpse of his antlers, but knew it had a decent frame on it. And well, like five minutes before that, we had that spike come running through. Yeah, we did. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. The spike came up. From the same direction. Yes. Yes, he came yeah. up relatively from the same direction that that buck was, was down there fooling around. So uh, we sat there and kind of looked through the binoculars for a little bit, just trying to get a little bit better look at him couldn't see him I, I lost him for a minute both of us did colin couldn't see him either and i told colin we'll give it about a minute or two and if you don't see him i'll grunt at him and see what he does and uh grunted a little small grunt sequence and he started working his way towards us and you could tell just by the way he was working up that little bottom that he was an old deer he was he'd take you know he'd walk 10 or 15 yards at a time and stop and look around and smell a little bit and worked his way up there and kind of walked pretty close to where that boar hog came across that bottom and uh i stopped him he was at 39 yards and uh Shot him, hit him right in the heart. He ran about forty yards and watched him laid over. Pile up. Yeah, we watched him pile up. Buzzard Roost saddles made right here in the great state of Louisiana should be on every Louisiana bow hunter's list as a must-have in their hunting arsenal. Buzzard Roost saddles achieves comfort through adjustability for those long day sets during the rut, and also provides the maneuverability to get up and move when you see the need. Buzzard Roost saddles was created with the need to lighten the piro as well as the backpack to go deeper than everyone else. Louisiana bow hunters are a mixed bag and Buzzard Roost Saddles is the tool to fit any job. Whether it's public land, private land, hardwoods, pines, or even the bottomless swamps, Buzzard Roost Saddles has what you need to stay mobile. 
Hi, it's Brian Chamberlain with the Chamberlain Lending Team at Movement Mortgage. Before I get into telling you how fantastic we are, there's a couple things that I need to cover to keep myself out of trouble. Movement Mortgage is an equal housing lender, license number 39179, and my personal loan officer license number is 114586. Now let's get to it. For the last 23 years, we've built a team with the people in place and the processes in place to get you to the closing table smoothly and on time. Whether it's a purchase, a rate and term refinance, a cash out refinance, or a renovation loan, the Chamberlain Lending Team is here to get you through that process, closed on time, with great communication and great service. I'm available seven days a week at 504-228-3780, and you can always reach the team at chamberlainteam at movement.com. Good luck this season. I hope you guys knock them down, and hopefully we'll hear from you soon. The cool, cool thing is that was, ended up being, that was the first deer that we got a picture of over the summer that we knew was going to be a mature shooter um he uh and as far as like 100 percent confirmed we may have gotten his picture in a few other spots maybe you know a few pictures that looked like they might have been him that weren't real clear but pretty much right there where he below or above where we smelled him and where that camera was and where we drug him out um there and basically right where y'all walk down the power line that's that's where he's been the whole time that's we that we don't have a ton of pictures of him but he's got a unique character in that that one side you know has this beam is a little different and he had about a two or three inch kicker sort of tine or maybe it was going to be a g2 that broke off that he had in velvet that uh we, you know, we could tell it was him because it was broke um, in the pictures and then obviously confirmed that. And so that was kind of cool that uh, we were able to kind of figure that deer out and then y'all were actually able to get a chance at him in there where we thought he was. So that was, that was pretty so, cool. Yeah, so I just mapped out on Onyx briefly, and that block of woods he was living in is for, roughly 42 acres. And he's pretty much been, from what yeah. I think, been in there. The all summer and yeah. he hasn't come out much no there's there's a chance that we we had his picture um east of there a few times maybe but even that wouldn't have been you know for a deer not very far i mean maybe how far back there to the hog wild plot maybe four or five hundred yards maybe 600 something like that something not no more than a, somewhere no more than a thousand for sure you know so, uh, but, and we, and you and Pepper, you know, got his jawbone and looked at it and feel pretty sure that he was six and a half. Yeah, he's definitely, yards. definitely five and a half for sure. We both agreed with that. And I, Pepper seems to think he's probably a little bit more keen on that than me. He seems to think it was six and a half. He had some I pretty don't know bad, about that. <laughs> he had some pretty bad cupping on his back teeth. So on one side, it was pretty, pretty worn down. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Pepper, what's your, uh, What's your what's your initial, not initial, but just what's your take on? Because you haven't hunted outside of your home area in Louisiana a whole lot. No, this is this is probably most fun I've ever had being invited on a jip hunt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate it a lot. 
I feel if, privileged, actually. If, if you'd have come up here and, and killed all them hogs like you told me you were going to the summer, I probably would have put you in better spots. Yeah, some of us got to <laughs> yeah, work for been, a living. You've been putting him in the gar holes the whole time. Pepper, go back there. I've been gar holes since day one, and, and I was with him. In, in, in fairness, I was just He gar holed himself. If, yeah. if, if he's saying I gar holed him, I've been sitting with his ass over half the time. So, I, I mean, you so know. that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I've enjoyed myself. I've I've never seen anything like this. Uh, of course, I haven't seen any rut, rut activity or anything that's uh, customary to the Midwest. But uh, we've seen some deer, and uh, the the landscape is different, and that's what I'm enjoying, and the camaraderie here at the at the Airbnb. We have All a, the picking. We have a really uh, nice Airbnb here. Yeah, we've been very Colin and I when we first got the lease. Uh, and you know, to a little background, this lease has been ran by an outfitter for the last three or four years. Uh, out, well, I say ran by an outfitter. An outfitter has been guiding hunts on it for the last three or four years, and um, you know, before we got it. But anyway, when we when we first got it and started coming up here, there's a there's a town in the, the lease is what five to ten miles from the Kansas line. And there's a little town just over, just just on the other side of the Kansas line, and then there's a town here in Oklahoma, and they're about, you know, the lease is kind of halfway between the two, and so it's one or the other, and neither one of them really have hotels, so um, we just kind of randomly picked a spot on Airbnb, and this place is is a really nice nice little get up. But uh, we, uh, where was I going with that? You said something about the camaraderie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was I was going to ask you, you know, we've talked on the podcast a good bit, and I don't I don't know if you classify this as the Midwest. That's I've a, never hunted the Midwest. This is the most Midwest place I've hunted. So but. This, this property, Colin mentioned, it's eleven hundred acres, and it's very diverse, and it's really kind of split in half. The north half of it, it's very Midwestern. It's a lot of old pasture land and CRP and cedar thickets and little wooded draws and. Uh, creek bottoms with 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 timber on them and stuff like that it looks very much like what you would find in southeast kansas and stuff like that um the south side of it is not is not at all <laughs> it looks it's, like gatlinburg yeah it looks like gatlinburg tennessee <laughs> yeah. a miniature gatlinburg tennessee it's it's it there is there's a big pasture in the front part of the south the south half but once you leave that pasture it's probably four or five hundred acres of just solid hilly blackjack oak timber and it's really just one one creek system that creek runs system north and a, south yeah with a big ridge and and it's completely different the way you hunt it the way it looks everything is completely different actually we haven't figured out how to hunt you it. can't hunt it. <laughs> <laughs> honestly because the access is really bad and the wind is never consistent back there and all that but you know to the point when you're hunting up on the north half it the 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 i think when you look at the midwest as a whitetail hunting destination, there's really kind of two parts of the Midwest. There's there's the Midwest that has all the agriculture, like in northwest Missouri and Iowa and Illinois, where you see all the bean uh, bean fields and the rolling cut corn fields and the woodlots in between and all that. And then you have parts of the Midwest that are also a lot of grassland, open country, cattle country, and sparse agriculture. This would be more that. There's some agriculture probably five or six miles from us, but there's none right around us. It's all just, it's the Osage Indian, Indian Territory. and The Flint Hills. 
Yeah, it's the Flint Hills, and so there's a lot of cattle ranches around us, big cattle ranches, you know, thousands and thousands of acres. So there's a lot of open grass plains, but more rolling. So it's it's kind of a mixture. It's not exactly Midwest. You know, if you if you drive two or three hours north of here, you're squarely in Midwestern hunting territory. But th- so this is kind of in between. But one of the things that we we've talked about when whenever we talk about hunting the Midwest and stuff, this is kind of going back to your initial impressions of hunting up here. We talk about how different it is from the perspective of when you look at the property and you you try to strategize and you try to scout and stuff i'm wondering if you can see some of the we often talk about how it's the you can you can much easier figure out what a deer is going to do you know your your ability to see the landscape and a deer you know they can't really get up and move around without being seen can only be at what point is that supposed to happen (laughs) when they get up and move (laughs) I noticed that I said when they get up and move, they can yeah. still completely yeah, absolutely. hide. They they can absolutely hide, and and you 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 learn really quickly that just like one thing that is just like everywhere else in the country, the weather is completely the probably the, the number one factor. That's what I was fixing to say. I I don't I'm not degrading this hunt at all. It's been really really fun, but I know it's been because of the weather. It's been rough. It's been it, it it's, it's been unseasonably warm. Yeah, it's uh it's 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 difficult weather, but I guess that was my point is can you you know if you can kind of you see what we're talking about though. Mm-hmm. When you when you spend time out on the landscape, you can clearly see that if the deer are up moving, especially rut activity where they're cruising and stuff, it's easy to see like it's easy to make a very you know um high percentage kind of educated guess the deer's probably going to come right through here right you know it doesn't whereas in the in the hills and hollows and pine thickets of the south then the deer can walk pretty much anywhere Mm -hmm. you know and so that that's one of the things that makes it a lot easier but i guess you know for us with this weather we've had the success has been early in the morning because it's it's cool enough in the morning to feel like a deer might move around a little bit and we've seen some deer early in the morning but the afternoons have been pretty tough so yeah. um yeah the mornings obviously we've had better luck in the mornings you it's normally and it if it's gonna happen it's in the first hour and a half two hours yep. right there mm-hmm. sun comes up you're pretty much gonna see what you're gonna see for by the nine morning. you're for sure done yeah pretty much right now anyways yeah we um so i i i guess kind of what we learned from so the next day after Levi's, I had a an experience. <laughs> Let's get into the important part of the yeah, podcast. This is, that was just the appetizer. This is the the meat and potatoes. Yep. So after Levi killed his deer, um, we we swapped around. You know, um, Colin decided to be cheap on us, and he didn't want to buy a tag. So he's he's all time quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just filming. So well, Levi, you you could have made me buy a tag. Like, you know? I could have made you buy a tag? After you tell what you're about to tell, oh, yeah. I would have had to buy a tag. Yeah, if I, yeah, that's true. Um, it's your fault. He, well, so Colin decided, okay, as long as, until somebody else kills and, I ha- and we have to have another hunter to be able to go two and two, he, we just swapped around. Levi started filming me. Colin started filming Pepper. And uh, I started seeing deer. Hot hand Averett. Yep. Yep. So... 
with the south wind, you know. Thanks, Colin. Like, kind of, appreciate it. No, no problem, man. We kind of had the idea that given what Levi experienced and what we kind of figured out with, with him getting a shot at the deer and seeing the deer on his feet, the one problem about what I just talked about with the Midwest is it's hard to get close to bedding area. Like, there's, you definitely can kind of identify it, and you can figure out how they're going to move, but it's, at the same time, that works against you because it's hard to get up close to these bedding areas without getting seen. Access can be a real problem. And uh, so, but I, I kind of decided that I needed to try to find a spot where I was closer to bedding area for the morning hunt. And we have a spot on the north side of the property, so obviously with a south wind, we're on the very northern border, and the northern border is a gravel road. So, um, you know, the south wind is perfect for that, and, and, and really good access into that spot as well. So, we uh, we decided to go there. and It's the same spot that Dylan yeah, killed. It's the same spot that our hunt winner killed his yeah. deer a couple weeks ago. So we decided to go in there, and honestly, I didn't have a lot of expectation for much of anything, really, because we just hadn't seen a lot of deer movement. Not that I didn't think we'd see a deer, but I didn't think we were going to see the deer that we saw. (laughs) Hammer. Hammer. Magnum. Could you repeat that, Levi? Hammer. So we, we, we go in there, and it was really, really foggy yesterday morning. Um, and we got in there without bumping any deer and we get set up and, you know, with us have one of the reasons we leased a piece of property is so we could kind of have access to come and go whenever we want. Because when you come up here to the Midwest and you book your hunt six months in advance and then you hit this weather, it really sucks to spend the time and money trying to make the hunt. And then you're here and I've done it more than once where you go with an outfitter and you're, you're booked for a week and. Even if you, even if you're doing a, a semi-guided or an unguided hunt, you still only have access. You, you everything's narrowed down, and you're at the mercy of the weather, which never goes my way ever, ever goes my way. So, um, knowing that I would be able to, you know, come back whenever I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in this stand, and I stand up, and I turn around, and I'm talking to Levi, and it's that time of the morning. It's like seven o'clock. And it's absolutely beautiful. Like, just visually, the, the fog through the hard... We were in some timber, and the fog, and I'm like... I told Levi, I was like, man, I don't know that we're going to see a deer or anything to shoot. I said, but man, wouldn't it be pretty for a big buck to come strolling through here in this fog, you know? And he's. And we talked about that. We're like, yeah, it'd be really pretty. be real pretty. So... You get it in, like, 4K, 120. I mean, it'd have been beautiful. It would have been awesome. And so... Yep. <laughs> Then the conversation, and keep in mind, I'm in the ladder stand, and I'm standing up, turned around, looking. Wait, it was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. So I I was standing up, turned around, looking at Levi, and he's in a saddle kind of behind the tree so he can see over my shoulder. So then the conversation kind of divulges into, I was like, you know, man, you know, I'm I'm really, the, the ultimate goal is to get content for Scree on this property so i can't be too picky as far as mature deer go but man there's 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 three deer that i've gotten on camera so far and i really hope to kill one of those i can't completely just lock down on just one deer because you know we gotta we gotta get some content and all that's the whole purpose in leasing the property and we got talking about these deer and there's just one big eight point 
that we hadn't had a picture of since the end of August. And the pictures that we got of him was only, what was it, 325 yards? Yeah, 325. We looked on the map while we were having this conversation. The, the feeder location that we have a camera running on was about 325 yards north of us th- through, through this draw that we were, looked, we were at the head of. And we talked about that deer. And uh, so we, we talked for a minute, and I just, you know, just kind of start to turn around. And I turn around, and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, there's a buck, right? It's 50, 60 yards in front of me, like, walking towards us. Yeah, and it's, to put it in perspective, we're in a little uh, oak flat, if you want to call it, before it drops off down to the creek bottom. It is thick in there, though. Yeah. You're You're not... You're not sitting yeah. there glassing over 100 yards. Oh, you can't see more than 75 yards anywhere. Yeah. And and also to put it in perspective, it was the amount of fog. He was about about at the edge of of us being able to, to actually see him and know what it was. Now, we might could have seen a deer just walking in the fog, but that was, he had to get at least that close for us to be able to say that, that deer's got horns. You know, it was that foggy. And he was probably 60 yards. And he's facing us, and I looked at him. I said, Levi, there's a buck. And, and I said, I think he might be a pretty good one. And I said, I don't know. I know he's wide. I think that's what I said. But I couldn't really. It was foggy, and I, I couldn't really tell. And <laughs> and then he turned and started walking. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I think that's a pretty big deer. <laughs> Levi goes, that's a really big deer. <laughs> and then he kind of stopped, and he did that thing where he – threw his head back and kind of like scratched his back with his horns and he was pretty much like scratching the tip of his tail with his horns <laughs> and he was he was he was a very big deer and he's just completely i guess like we we thought that there was a chance that if i hadn't you know if we hadn't shot at him at him is the operative word here that he may have actually bedded right in there on that flat with us because he was just slowly like just feeding along and just i mean he wasn't had no idea we were there he wasn't he wasn't like cruising or anything like that. he wasn't cruising rut activity and he wasn't like moving slow because he was spooky he was just like calm as he could be he was in his zone he was in his bedroom he he was just chilling and it took him a while he he would walk two or three steps and just stand there and chew on his cud and pick up an acorn or something off the ground i don't know he just just took his time, and I had a spot, and, and so basically there was two logs on the ground, and he was going to walk in between those two logs, and, and the furthest log was 40 yards, the closest log was 30 yards. And when he finally started walking, he was pretty much at that back log, and I had him figured for 40 yards. I set my – I shoot a one-pin roller sight. I set it to 35 because I figured he'd be a few steps in front of it. And – and I'm, you know, I'm going through this process in my mind that I'm going to shoot him for 35 to 37 yards. And I need to, at that distance, and it was really, really quiet, too. It was one of those mornings where it's just a dense fog. And every, the only thing you could hear was the, the moisture on the leaves, you know, kind of falling every now and then. It was dead still. And uh, I'm going through the process of when he, when he, when he goes into this opening... I didn't. I didn't worry about stopping him or anything because he never walked more than two or three steps without stopping. You know, and I was like, when he gets in this open, it was a big wide opening. I mean, he he, you know, he was what 
10 or 15 yards he'd had to walk to get out of that opening yes between two trees and and he gets there and as he's going into the opening he's still on that same path and he's at like 37 yards and i start drawing and as soon as i get my freaking ank get back to my anchor point he turns and starts walking straight to me like three or four steps and in that moment it just mind effed me it just like i was like damn it because i'm thinking you know you just lose all logical thought that hey this deer hasn't moved more than five yards at a time for the last 10 minutes but in my mind i'm thinking he's fixing to walk straight to me and i'm going to be drawn back and he's going to be looking straight up at me and all this kind of stuff and so i had that little bit of panic anxiety and then but he didn't walk but like three or four steps and then he turned back broadside so he goes from 37 to probably 32 yards 32 33 yards where we and he turns back broadside so still again i'm my pin's on 35 i wasn't worried about the yardage but it just threw my whole process and my focus off and he goes back he goes back broadside and i just i put it on him and i my pin just floated up and i actually cut cut his back so i shot and as soon as i shot i said oh i missed him and levi goes no you hit him and the deer just kind of like spun around like he went around that back log and kind of came to a stop and then picked up his gate again and just went off but didn't y'all 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 said it sounded like you hit yeah. him. We, that, too, that's right? what i heard because yeah. i'm looking at the viewfinder on the camera yeah. i can't really see yeah a and, whole lot in yeah. that but i heard it yeah you could hear so it, i too. heard it too and on the video you can hear all this conversation because you know everywhere from me cussing when he turned to walk towards me to everything <laughs> and and so i shoot and i meet i mean immediately probably by the time the arrow got to the ground i had already said you know i, I said a bad word and then i said <laughs> i missed it <laughs> and uh Levi goes, no, nah, you We'll hit just, him. when we bleep that, we'll just put like a grunt, like a deer grunt. <laughs> but uh, he says, no, you, you hit him. And I'm like, well, if I hit him, I hit him really high because that looked to me like it went over his back. I mean, barely. I knew I didn't like, you know, sail it over his back, but I, I, I felt like, I felt like I saw him duck and I, and I felt like my shot was high when I released. And long story short, we thought I missed him completely. We looked back at it at the viewfinder, and Levi's like, yeah, you shot right over the back of him. And he didn't act like he really even knew what happened. He just kind of, like, went back. Or like I said, he made kind of a, a U-turn back around that log, and then he kind of paused for a second and looked back our direction and then just kind of, you know, went on off and down across the creek. And, like, I can't believe it. You know, we spent the rest of that. We spent the rest of the hunt talking about, First of all, just about the whole situation of us having that conversation and turn around and he's standing there, you know. Uh, and then, you know, well, it's probably okay. You'll probably get another shot at him in here. He don't even know what happened. He, he you know, he didn't bust out of here and, and all that. So we come back to camp midday after we – I got ragged on pretty good. <laughs> no, no, no. Not too bad. Who did that? <laughs> Hold on, let's back up. Couldn't have been us. At, the, Couldn't have been at us. the barn with the target practice. Yeah, so oh. we get back. So we pull up. Listen. So, so we pull up to the. We, me and Levi pull up to the barnyard 
the, the, the property has an old house site with a barnyard and all that stuff where we park our trucks. Top top three best moments I've ever had in my life. So we we, we pull back up to the barnyard, and tar- Pepper's got a target sitting out in the middle of the barnyard. And so as soon as we pull up, he's like, I was know, just trying to help, man. Like basically giving me shit. Like I need to shoot. You know, I need to shoot this target. <laughs> Make sure my sight's still on and all this stuff. And uh, so back up to the fact that. Pepper's hunting with a recurve. Oh, Tonto over here with his feathered fletchings and his recurve up here in the Midwest where you can shoot 50 yards pretty much everywhere you sit. And speaking of the gold gar hole, I'm having to find places where he can legitimately maybe get a shot at a deer. You know, so we're having to pick spots to go that a deer's going to pass within 20 yards. We know now, though, I can shoot one at 35 so, yards. I shoot my bow and if you stand still after the on first the second shot. So if you stand still, we got we got the target out there, and I shoot my bow, and of course my bow's. I mean, I knew there was nothing wrong with it. It was just me. I just I just didn't make the shot, and uh, <laughs> you let him. Yeah, so I, I, I shot my bow. Everything was good, and then Colin, you could tell the rest. So. Let me just say, Pepper is in my ear the whole time about... Chirping you. You know, how come you didn't let me go to that stand? I'm like, well, I mean, it didn't matter if you went to that stand because you'd have just watched the deer walk by. No, no, no. Pe- Pepper could have missed him at 35 yards, too. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so, Pepper decides to take a shot at 35 yards. With st- no, no. He called me out. Oh, he called you out? This. Okay. Yeah, he called me out. So Pepper takes a shot at this target at 35 yards. <laughs> listen, the best way I can explain this is like if you handed like a four-year-old a toy bow and they took their first shot, <laughs> they were just. <laughs> I was seven yesterday. <laughs> and he shoots his first arrow, and I'm telling you, this thing was like four yards short of the whole target, and three yards to the right. <laughs> to the right and i freaking lost it dude it wasn't even remotely close it deflected it might not would have even scared a deer it wasn't close enough so i could have got a second shot off could have in fairness he did take a second shot and he hit the bottom right of of the target (laughs) and levi has levi got all this on video colin Colin could not stand up I so could. Hard. Oh, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> oh man, so fun, fun times. So, I guess to, to to kind of go back to the deer because we haven't given the deer just credit. Yeah. So yeah, we were back here at midday. That's where you. So were we came at. back midday, and and Colin pulls the footage off the camera, and like I said, I me and Levi had decided I I just he you know if if he hadn't reacted to the shot if he hadn't ducked I would have killed him. You know, he, he did kind of duck the arrow, but that's not an excuse because the shot was too high. I mean, I had to get lucky and spine him or something. You know, um, it, it, the shot was still too high regardless, but as it was, he did duck the arrow. And, and we could tell on the viewfinder that it was really close. And I had said, you know, my fletchings probably hit that deer in the back. It was so close. But uh, Colin pulls the footage, and we look, and I actually did hit him in the back and cut him across the back so now i don't know what to think and the deer and also so typically when this kind of things happens you know 
and you're filming in 4K 120, and so you can see every detail. What typically happens almost always is you realize exactly what happened as far as your shot, and you also realize, ah, the deer, you know, it's a big deer, but he wasn't that big. He was a lot bigger. He was way bigger. When we got him on the computer. (laughs) He was way bigger than we thought he was. Yes. And I hit him. I didn't miss him. He was a lot bigger. And we don't have pictures of him. We thought he was the one of the eight points that we had talked about before before I turned around and saw the deer. And he's actually bigger and a deer that we don't have any trail cam pictures of. And S- split brow time, big more mass giant mainframe eight. Just a really, really as big a eight point as you really you know I mean, I know people kill really record book eight points, but as far as just on average as big a eight point as you as you want them as you want to, you know, expect to ever really get a shot at. And I screwed it up. And not only did I screw it up and not get the shot and not get the deer killed, but I hit the deer, and so now I really don't know what to expect. I'm coming back next week uh, just as the weather starts to get warm again. And, um, (laughs) you know, hopefully the rut, because everything – all the activity that picked up during the cold front, like we've said, has just completely died off. But we're in that time frame. They're going to kick off. The rut's going to kick off. And it's uh, there's another front coming here at the end of the week. So I'm coming back for that. And, and, you know, in theory, like, you know, Levi and I talked about it a lot in the stand. Like, the way that deer acted, Levi felt like you can speak to this. You have a microphone. I don't have to speak for you. But... I'm just saying, Levi. It's about like you know that if that deer's doing that in the daylight, he's comfortable in this area. This is his home, his home range. You know, and he's probably going to be in here and all that. But now with me actually hitting him, and I didn't hurt him other than the just, fact that you hit him though, and he didn't just blow out. I mean, that's just that says a lot. He still he even if he the arrow hit him, but he still really didn't even know what happened. Yeah, that's no. He hopped out there thirty yards and stopped for a minute. He was just like, you know, what was that? But you could see. I mean, you when when we slowed it down and you looked on the foot, you could see (laughs) that Reaper put a damn hole in him. Reaper freaking gashed his ass wide open though. That's that's the thing is he might not have known what happened right there but i guarantee you a few minutes later he was like what the he shit? couldn't do a podcast without saying that word could he the reaper <laughs> i want you to know i'm telling you that i he's the one that said it first <laughs> i didn't say anything about anything he's the one that said that well, we all know we, well, it was, we already it, said it you have to say it again but you had to say it again <laughs> If I didn't say it, he was going to say it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> nope. I had intentionally planned on not saying anything because it ain't the Reaper's fault. <laughs> Did they ever send you a hat? No. Or no. stick. I have stickers, but that's because I bought broadheads and got stickers with them. Mm. But. Nah, he'll be fine, I think. Uh, I mean, the deer's not hurt for sure. No, but, no he's not But hurt he's got all. a big enough cut and on he's him. Not he's not He's going to know about it. I think unless he was just happened to be one of those traveling deer just – you know, you hear those crazy stories of deer just making, you know, walking ten square miles. They, he might, he might have came from Kansas, mm-hmm. but he looked know, like he came. He might have came from Kansas. <laughs> he, uh, if he, he, I could definitely see that deer being back in there. I could. The thing about the 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 the, I guess the positive feeling about that part of it is, it, the weather and everything that we've seen doesn't lend itself to to believing that a deer of that age and status would be up making a walk like that if it were cold weather and we were seeing a bunch of rut activity 
it's a lot easier to convince yourself that a deer like that's, you know, cruising from somewhere way off. But, I mean, that deer was, was just moving right after daylight like he was in his home range just bedding up. I mean, you just don't – it's hard for me to believe that, that a deer like that on a day like, like this was and, and like it is right now with the weather and what we've seen from the activity. It's just hard for me to believe. That deer's just up cruising the countryside in 80-degree weather he with very, no rut activity. And he very well, I mean, as crazy as this is, we're not very far off the road. He could be living right across the road that you can't hunt. Probably is. And Yeah. I mean, well, he could have been bedded at the bottom know. of your stand, and if you just waited, you might have had a 20-yard shot. Maybe. <laughs> Never know. I'd have been a hell of a risk to take because I had a really good shot and I just yeah. screwed it up. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's the first thing Colin asked. He was like, well, you know, could he have gotten any closer? And it's like, man. I don't think so. That, I think that was. That was the shot. I just didn't it. make it. Yeah. Because he was angling down oh. and away from us. Like, and not only that, but once he went through that opening, mm-hmm. there were, I, I probably could have gotten a shot at him. But he was in the wide open there. If he'd have kept going, it you know it would have been. That's what I was fixing. I asked. He was walking left or right. So what was to the right? I mean, did you creek, have going court. down in that creek bottom. Yeah. Creek bottom. So he had another twenty or thirty yards to go before he would have actually went down in the bottom. And there was enough openness through there that I might would have got a shot at him. And if I'd have let him keep walking, he if may. If he have, didn't zigzag again, right? He may have zigged and came yeah. towards me. Again. I don't know, but I mean, it was a dude. I mean, he was thirty-two yards broadside just. I mean, there's no – I just I just messed up. Yeah. You know? I mean, I take that shot 10 out of 10 times. And and, and just – People that say they don't miss haven't shot oh, that's, enough. Well, that's what I was about to say. You know, we – That's a fact. Obviously picked on you a lot, but it's, it's going to happen to everybody. Yep. Do it long enough, so. Absolutely. You cheated enough of them, you're going to miss. Miss, lose. Lose them. It happens. Yeah. It is. That's what Brian Chamberlain likes to say. That's just bow hunting. He likes to say a lot of dumb shit. That's one of his favorite <laughs> You're right about that. That's one of his favorite things to say. Is it's just bow hunting. That's just bow hunting. But I, yeah, I mean, it's. I worry more about the after of it, honestly, because I feel very, I feel very confident that I know, I know exactly what happened, and because I know what happened, in theory, I can do better. You know, like I know what I, I know I needed, I let him, when he didn't do what I thought he was going to do when I drew back first time, I let that just kind of speed up my process and lose my focus and I didn't bury the pin down the way I, I was telling myself to do that as I was drawing and I just lost that whole train of thought and just, I don't think I, I mean, you were behind me. I don't think I shot real fast. I don't think I. No, I don't think so. I don't think I shot real fast. I just don't think I focused hard enough on my pin placement, and I let that pin float up. And like I said, I probably would have killed him. On most days that you hunt up here or north of here, there's a minimum 10-mile-an-hour wind. There always is. And if it's a day like that where it's windy, and he and most of the deer I've ever shot up here, they don't really react. They don't, not at all, like deer in the south. I've shot a bunch of deer that didn't even know what happened until the arrow hit them, you know. And if that happens, then it what it wouldn't have been the best shot, but I would have killed him. It, it but as it was, that's not the situation I had, and so that really it doesn't really matter what would have happened. The fact is, whether he ducked it or what, I mean, if I'd have made a better shot, whether he ducked or not, he'd have been dead. 
Well, you know, I don't know about these deer up here, but my experience with a few deer in Louisiana is that if you shoot a deer and you hit it and you wound it, nine times out of ten, they end up coming back. Like if you shot one over a corn feeder, you'll get him, he'll come back, they'll come back. So it makes me think that that deer's not going to leave. Well, and, and the one thing that we just don't know, and I, I don't, I agree with you, but the one thing that we don't know is because we have no pictures of him. Was right. he ever there to begin with, yeah. or, or we were just in the right place at the right time? And it doesn't feel that way because we know there's deer living in there just from the way we've seen the deer yeah. act the couple times. And we've, we've had, there. and we've had several big deer on camera in there. And you didn't you say the deer y'all saw them this morning were bedding down in there? Yeah, they the they bedded yeah. down several those, those, times. So and when I hunted there before you and Dylan hunted and he shot the deer, those deer were doing the same thing. They just yeah. hang out on. That well, you made flat. that comment. You're like, this is their bedroom. Yeah, you're They're like just, these deer. When the deer get on that flat, they just they go into slow motion. They just kind of loaf around, and even Dylan said that like they yeah. just they just loaf around. They bed and they get. There's a bunch of oak oaks in there that are dropping and then, and it's and it's kind of thick so there's a lot of brows too and um so i i don't know if it's there or if it's somewhere else but to be to be honest with you if somebody kills that deer it's either going to be because he that's his home area and we kill him there when the conditions are right to hunt that spot or we just get somebody gets lucky and and sees him in another spot like where y'all are going this afternoon that's the, the, the south end of that draw. And you could very well see, if he lives in there, he could very well be on the south end of that draw. But we have, we have a camera there, and we've never gotten a picture of him there. Now, that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. That camera's looking at one trail through a little pinch point on the south end of that draw. There's a lot of ways he could walk right through there and not be on camera. So we don't know, you know. So, But like Levi said, we're going to be hunting west of there this afternoon across a big hay meadow into another area with a, another very defined bedding area. Totally different. Sagebrush, CRP, uh, cedar, cedar type thicket. thicket. That deer could have easily went across that meadow and went over into there. He could, Absolutely. I mean, he could easily be over there. I mean, it's it's a three-minute walk for a deer from, one, one, from that draw to that hillside with the cedar thicket on it. So, you know, who knows? Somebody might if he if he lives on our property regularly. And now, don't get me wrong; I'm sure he goes across the road. Yes. You know, but if he lives on our property regularly, and the rut does what it's supposed to do the rest of the month, and and you know, there's a good chance somebody could see him anywhere. But hopefully, with what we saw and the way he acted, hopefully that's his core area. Because if it is, we'll we'll likely get another we'll at least see him again because i mean that spot's easy to access any any there's only north is the only wind you can't hunt it you can hunt it east west or south and you know so we'll be able to hunt that spot we'll see so levi transitioning off of my sad pitiful story because it's pretty sad and pitiful (laughs) this is a really big deer well there'll be you'll you can see the video um, we'll have an episode up here soon on, on the Blueprint series on Scree's YouTube channel, and it'll have Levi's, you know, part of the episode will be our whole hunt, uh, you know. Most, whole week up here. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it'll be Pepper just kind of hanging out there with his with his recurve. Not killing or <laughs> missing anything. Talking to the camera about random stuff, not really doing anything. And then Levi's hunt, and this deer will be on that episode, so you can 
go. You can go see for yourself what we just told you all about. And send Locke Facebook messages and dogging tell on me, Facebook. Tell me what I did wrong. Yes. Just got to aim lower. Just got to aim lower. Um, so what's your what's your take on like because I, I know you've hunted you've you've made a lot of hunts but as far as whitetail hunting I mean you you spent most of your whitetail hunting in the south in Louisiana and um, so what is your take on hunting up here and, and I know you know all what we've talked about but is there anything that you can add to it from kind of a first experience in this part of the country not really I mean you hear I've heard for a long time that deer up here aren't as i guess weary and on edge they act more like deer they do but yeah we've had a couple of does since me and you have been hunting together since you killed we've had a couple of does that in louisiana there's no doubt we're getting blown out of the 100 percent. i mean the ones we seen yesterday morning staring us down and then just go six yards away yes yeah this fight really he had one of his pegs yeah. Uh, now that buck that me and Colin killed that one morning, he acted like a mature deer. He was he was somewhat cautious. He was not. We didn't when we grunted at him. He didn't come running in like I stated earlier. So, you know, he was cautious, but he to me he did seem comfortable though. Yeah, yeah, he was comfortable. Like he, he that was his area too. He was comfortable until I stopped him. <laughs> I stopped him. He, you know, he kind of went on high alert yeah, then. Well, but two inch broadhead uh, coming through your heart's not very comfortable. <laughs> so. You know, this property too is there's a lot of timber on it. This isn't, you know, Locke said that there's some CRP and and stuff like that, and there is. There's some cedar thickets on it, like you see in Kansas or Missouri, whatever. But uh, that area that me and Colin walked that one afternoon you know we walked three or four miles back there and it was all timber it's all timber and it's everything looks the same outside of deer signs there's acorns you can't you can't like like hone in on one like hot tree no no they're they can really bed and get up and eat really anywhere so that was kind of our the purpose of us going and stomping around up there a little bit to see if we could just find you know a and we did. We found one trail actually crossing the big creek that was used pretty heavily, and that was actually pretty close to where that buck was bedded that we jumped up. And he was actually bedded on the bluff of the creek. And I say bluff. It's the very a, edge. It's where he was. It's a pretty steep drop. 20 foot down to yeah. the creek probably, maybe. Yep. I don't think it was too much more than that. But, you know, it's a he was on a bluff yep. just bedded up on the edge. But uh, – but to Locke's point, <laughs> we did see a doe yesterday afternoon. At <laughs> a big doe, like a nanny doe. Mature doe, walk up in a – we were sitting on the edge of a little food pot, and she came up and was staring at both of us. Like through our souls. And the sun was right in our face. It was kind of a bad spot. Not – it was where the sun was. When she walked out, the sun was just – We were spotlighted, in other Yes, words. <laughs> beaming on us. And she stared at us for a minute and went back to doing what she was doing. But you don't see that in Louisiana too often. No, and the does we saw this morning, they came from directly downwind. And you saw the second one. You didn't realize there was two. Mm-hmm. And then you said there's a doe coming. And when I turned to look, there was one right behind you mm-hmm. that that had already passed. 
that you didn't see. And that and when I turned and looked, she was already looking at me. And I had turned all. I stood up in a ladder stand and turned around, and I'm making eye contact with her at ten yards. And she's looking directly at me with the wind blowing straight to her. And she just looked at me for a little while and then just proceeded to feed right past us at like eight yards. Now, <laughs> to her defense, they were two very young yeah, does. Yeah, they were young does. They were so not. They yeah. weren't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a nanny. Yeah. Heifer. Yeah. So. Well, I, um, if I could have called in some weather favors for you, Pep, I would have. And I tried. When I invited you to go on this hunt, the weather forecast was significantly better than it is now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I asked you what the temperatures were going to be, and you I told you, you sent 40s. me the temperatures, so I packed accordingly, and I, I was prepared, to say the least. Well, you, you haven't used half of that what you packed, I'm sure. Not at all. Not so. at all. Hey, I, I do want to touch on something uh, before I was so rudely interrupted earlier. Um <laughs> When I was talking about the camaraderie and everything, whenever uh, back home, you know, I don't have the camp feel. Yeah. Uh, we live close to our hunting lease, and mo- it's always been just me and my wife and her dad. And even growing up, it was just basically me and my brother and my dad. But uh, I've recently got some guys uh, involved in one of my leases, but it's we still don't have a camp. We all live there close. Uh, the only time I've really ever had the camp feel is going over to Levi's place in Tensile Parish, and and you know they have a a nice camp. Uh, it's generally several people there, and we're all talking a bunch of crap and having a good time. Yeah, it's but, a lot of fun. But this this right here is is different for me in yeah. in every way, as far as the hunt, the camp feel, and all. It's a lot of fun. It's it's. Uh... I mean, for Colin and I, it's just a terrible way to have to make a living. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, it it is a lot of fun, and we've eaten. Good. I really feel for you a lot. I know you, you do. too, Colin. I really I feel appreciate for you. that. It's been a lot of time away from home. There's that. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I, we don't even start with that. So that's that's never easy. But uh, we've eaten good, and we've had a lot of fun. We haven't seen as many deer as I hoped that we would when we planned it. But, but if you consider the fact that we could be two, really seen two really big deer, and we should have with two, crappy weather. Yeah. We should have two really big deer killed. And and hey, this morning one of the deer we saw was a, it was a little old spike. May have been the one we saw yesterday. I'm not sure, but maybe. Uh, but uh, I think his were a little bit longer. Mm. But uh, I hit the grunt call. Well, it was it. It wasn't even probably camera light yet. I don't know. And I not grunt a grunt call. call the grunt call. <laughs> the, Do what? The, the grunt call. What? The Louisiana Bowhunter Edition T. Oh, that's right. I did have <laughs> the grunt, grunt call. But anyways, I hit the grunt call just because we were making a little racket getting up in the tree. I figured right after we got up in the tree, got settled, I'd hit it a few times, and probably ten, fifteen minutes went by, and I hit it again, and a, that spike. I'm talking about charged in, charged in. So you got a little bit of a preview of what? Oh yeah, I thought I thought the rut was on, man. The uh, bucks were are kind of are are somewhat responding, but the does are not yeah, ready. No. All the we, does we've seen are just feeding, you know. Yeah, yeah, we did see a cow of a doe this morning, and I 
it looked exactly like the doe we saw the first morning. Yeah, that doe we saw the first morning was big a sway heifer. back. Looked like she'd yeah. been saddle ridden yeah. for about twenty years. She was that was yeah. a big doe, and yeah, it's I was so this you know with this being the last day of our hunt. Of course, there's a front coming through tonight, and it's going to be forty degrees tomorrow. <laughs> it is literally 85 outside right it's, now. It's hotter than that. It it and but it's been a little different today because the wind blew and you could feel that front a little bit this mm-hmm. morning. And uh, the winds actually it probably has shifted by now. It was supposed to around one or two o'clock. It was supposed to shift out of the northwest and then eventually the north by tomorrow morning. And that front's coming through and is gonna. Uh, we're hope hoping that maybe we'll end it on a good hunt. Maybe. Man, the movement, the deer movement in general, rut or not, has been so stagnant that it just feels like this day feels different. Even though it's hot, I, I, I mentioned that to Levi a couple times in the stand this morning. It, it's been just, it's been almost like that early season, almost summer feel where it's just hot and it's still, it's not a lot. It's just a, a breeze more than a wind and kind of a steady temperature. Never, You know, it's a little cooler in the mornings, but hot and it's just dead. And today, the wind was blowing, and it had a little Christmas crispness to it. And it's going to shift out of the north, so you can bet it's going to have a dry north feel to it this afternoon, even though the temp is going to be warm. But it's going to drop quicker. It's going to be more, you know, it, it, where it has been still in the 70s, even at dark. It's going to get down in the 60s tonight at dark. And so hopefully we can end on a good hunt, whether we, whether a deer can get close enough to peppers stick and string or not i don't know but i'm good out to 35 is that true colin i'm good out to well, 35 it's if he gonna, gets two it, shots it, we've had plenty of deer in range just well, not the right one yeah just not the right one that's it's Locke's gonna, fault it, it's gonna be on video one way or the other so what we'll, happens if i miss i mean i hadn't lost anything <laughs> maybe an arrow colin says <laughs> colin says no, I'll go get my if, you, if you miss i'm gonna be swinging like a tetherball up in that tree <laughs> Some will be laughing so hard. Colin, yeah, Colin said, depends on how bad you miss, he's probably going to fall off his platform <laughs> laughing. Me and Levi are going to a, a, a spot that we have not hunted at all on this property, and it's... it's observation it's, shit. It's really an observation shit. To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw deer, but whether they're going to be anywhere close to bow range is totally up for debate because we're going to be able to see a long way through a lot of high, you know, tall grass and cedar thicket up the side of this hill and kind of coming down into the meadows and pepper you're going and honestly y'all are going to sit in my opinion the best spot you can sit with this wind and you're doing it on the first north wind in five days and we all know i mean y'all have seen the, the camera pictures and everything i mean there's yeah. definitely shooter deer in yeah. that draw north of you if no they doubt. stay on the trail i should have a good 15 18 yard shot yeah no i, I think where you're at there's a chance a deer could skirt you and get out of range for traditional, yeah. but if they if there's three or four trails that come right through that pinch, and if they're on any of those, you'll be good. Yeah. If they don't stay in those woods up against the creek, I'll be all right. Yeah. Well, there's your there's story time with the four of us. That's what's going on. So I'm yeah. actually I'm actually we're all headed home. Well, they're headed home tonight. Me and Colin tomorrow. And I'm coming back in three days with Brian Chamberlain. So I'm looking now. You're 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 gonna be fine. You got <laughs> sun- three days, buddy. It's gonna be Sunday morning 55. or Monday morning, thirty eight. 
Tuesday morning, 39. Wednesday morning, 42. That's fine. If coming that, back Wednesday? Coming back Sunday. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm coming back Sunday. Oh, you're going, you're going to be Sunday to Sunday? No, I'm coming Sunday. We're going to hunt Monday till we get ready. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's going to be me and Brian Chamberlain. So, if I can stop laughing long enough to actually draw <laughs> my bow back and shoot at something. <laughs> Turn I, that poundage down a little bit. Yeah. Bring there a crossbow. Is, there is no telling what's <laughs> going to come out of his mouth. Here's I a, hate I miss. I'm going to miss that. <laughs> here's, a, here's a fun debate. So, we, 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 we debated yesterday. If we took a stick... Colin's an engineer, an LSU graduated, educated grad engineer. <laughs> so we think he can do this. I mean, I don't like LSU, but they give the man credit. He's got the degree. If we could somehow turn Pepper's crawl, uh, traditional bow horizontal and Colin could engineer a stock on it and make a crossbow out of it, is that still as gay as hunting with a regular crossbow? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, if you make your own crossbow. I, I'll cut a limb out of the tree this evening. If you make your own crossbow. What defines. And kill something with it. What defines a crossbow? Because it's not horizontal because they have vertical crossbows now. Yeah, but. So what define it, Like it being the string being like cocked back. Uh, that vertical crossbow just falls into the crossbow title. That's what I'm asking. So, but what makes something a crossbow? I mean, a scope, a stock, That's, a stock, a stock, the, the bolt, a stock like, and trigger system. And you you draw it back before the hunt. Before the hunt, <laughs> and you don't have to go through the drawing process because okay. a deer is. So I have approach. to admit something. I, I was being a little bit sarcastic, kind of, by by, by saying it was gay to hunt with a crossbow. <laughs> but if you're an able-bodied human, if you're an able-bodied human, yes, or and of able-bodied age to yes. shoot a regular bow and you're hunting in archery season if you wanted to hunt with a crossbow during rifle season 15th, letter e. have at it i'm just talking about for archery season let's not get into that but next week <laughs> ne- next week <laughs> next episode we need to get we need to ask kyler about that yeah we need to have kyler on to have this debate i'm not qualified to have this debate kyler is let's My- just get kyler and brian and let they'll just my point, my my people. point was, we were trying to figure out a way to extend Pepper's range, and if Colin's engineering skills could could build a crossbow out of his recurve, it might be effective at further ranges. And and but then the question was, well, is that like, you know, cheating, or is that actually a little bit more respectable? <laughs> I mean, you can extend your range, just aim higher. Exactly. That's what I was just fixing to say. I did it at 35 yards. No, you really didn't do it at 35 yeah, yards. Yeah, you at, proved at to the us, second shot. You, as your as your pseudo guide for the week, you proved to me that I've got to find somewhere you can shoot a deer at 15 yards. That's what you did. You he took a it. practice That's shot this morning. That's what hunting's all about. Here's the thing, though. Y'all got to understand, it's not just how bad he missed. It's how long it took the arrow to get to the spot. <laughs> He actually took a practice shot this morning, and like 45 seconds later, the doe came walking through. <laughs> Literally. Right by where he shot the arrow. I shot, I shot, put another arrow in my bow, hung it back up, turned around from my left over my right shoulder. Colin, there's a doe. <laughs> that fast. Levi told me he thought you were going to shoot a doe. No. Well, I, I mean, I, I kind of. 
the red. I kind of thought about it. I don't, like don't want to dive too deep, and even. they're not rutting here, but don't shoot a doe oh, during no, the no, middle no, of the no. rut. I, I know. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about some other people in the Midwest. But they wasn't rutting here. Some other people in the Midwest. Don't well, shoot a doe people, on November people, 8th when they're rutting. You like, see people posting, like, they killed a doe. Eh, you know, bucks aren't chasing, so I went ahead and filled my doe tax. Yeah. What? Just hunt longer. <laughs> like, you're in Iowa. You're in Missouri. <laughs> yeah. that I agree with Colin. It, I don't understand. No, I, I, I did make the comment, but it was just, if it was like it was... I had entertained shooting a doe with the weather like this, but just to take some meat back. I was going to shoot it for the meat lot. Just like that. Oh, oh, tell us about your deer. Oh, oh, well. Uh, found it five days later. You didn't find it. So start no, back my over. Wife, back up. Start my over. lovely, lovely wife. Uh, I had a deer walk out, and I filmed it. I've been trying to self-film my hunts. And uh, I ended up having a target buck show up on a corn pile, big, big corn pile. Just think, if you'd have had your crossbow, this story wouldn't have even happened. It, it might, I might have hit a little higher, yeah. I might have been a little bit more accurate. But I shot the deer. All of our deer seemed to duck, and this deer didn't quite duck as much as I had hoped for. Ended up hitting him low, back of the brisket, got guts, Offside long, and uh, did you say back of the brisket? The back of the brisket, yeah. The well, the back of the sternum. I thought you hit him more like back of the ribs, kind well, of where the ribs the come pouch. down into the sternum. But he's talking about like the yeah. brisket coming down, like oh, well, okay. So the I, I last thought, rib, yeah. you know, where it curves down into the yeah. sternum, that's where I ended up hitting the deer. I intended on hitting the deer right there, but about four or five. Inches, inches higher, higher so you get down yes the yes so i could get right up through the liver into that offside lung no problem but uh the deer on the video you can see that the deer really didn't duck just enough to get into my area and that's it so and, you'd uh, have missed it low if it hadn't ducked at all yes probably. i would i would have completely i might would have shaved some hair off of it if it wouldn't have ducked at all but it and it really didn't duck its whole body it just drops its ass in and then took off mm-hmm. when I showed you on the video, you saw it. Yep. Uh, it basically, I really don't know that I've ever had a deer do that, drop the ass in and then take off. But that's what it did. Yeah, normally they go like front shoulders yeah. down. Yeah. The, yeah. And, uh, but it didn't duck anywhere like I anticipated, like we normally have. It, all excuses aside, I hit the deer in the back last rib. Uh, it got up in there in the bottom of the offside lung because we found good lung blood on the track. Tracked it for a little over half a mile. The deer turned, lost blood, got into a swamp. We did a grid search that day and the next morning and could not find any more blood. Uh, my wife saw buzzards flying around and kept grid searching that area while we were up here on this while trip. we were up here on this hunt because i had to leave like the the day uh two days later so my lovely wife grid searched every day for that deer finally found it uh 
was that two days ago? I think it was. Uh, I think it was Sunday. Uh, yeah, it was Sunday because we had, we had gone okay. to town. I can look back at my text see for sure. But anyways, uh, she found it uh, a few days ago. The arrow was still in the deer, showing where I hit the deer. But uh, uh, it was a nice four and a half year old eight point. Uh, it's just a just a bad story. Don't do not. We talked about this though. I hate losing deer, but I mean that's that's from a moral aspect. But uh, you know, we talked about people talking about. You mentioned it earlier that man, I hate I hate I didn't get that meat off that deer. Well, I'll be honest, sitting right here, that I did not shoot that deer for the meat. Uh, I got a list of people that uh, generally are begging me for deer meat. And I, I give several people deer meat every year. Uh, we're on DMAP, so we can kill a lot to manage our property. And um, so we give out a lot of deer meat every year uh, in the event that we're able to kill them and find them within five days. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyways, uh, I didn't shoot that deer for the meat. I shot him because he was a nice deer. Uh, we needed to kill bucks and does and... Ended up losing yeah. the deer. Uh, it is a wasted deer, and I hate that. But uh, well, to be fair, and to not give anybody the wrong impression, it was something that I said to you when Rachel, we were, me and you had run to town. Yeah. And we were on our way back, and Rachel called to tell you that she she found the deer, and it was something that I said that's probably one of the many things that I might say that people would look at me cross-eyed about my dumb opinions about things, but. I, I was making the comment how you go to deer camp or, or anywhere here deer hunting stories and it people it I think all people not all people obviously but I mean most good hunters and, and, and ethical people you know they feel bad when a deer goes to waste right there's right. no doubt about it but I feel like people exaggerate that to, to just make the story sound man it's all, it, they they make it all about the meat when you know good and well that's not what they were thinking about when they shot that buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they needed another YouTube video. Well, and I'm not even talking about that <laughs> because I mean Colin's right. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But I'm not even talking about that. I mean, you know, we all hunt and we all we all and, and probably most of the people listening to this we all hunt and we all enjoy having the deer meat. But we all, for the most part, know that we can go to the store and buy meat when we need it we don't live off of our mm-hmm. hunting and the majority of people i'm not saying everybody i know there are some people that uh would not fit into this category but the large majority of people today in 2023 are hunting for sport they're not hunting for meat and if they go out there and if they go out there and they pass up a spike or they they pass up a four-year-old because they got a bigger buck on camera then you are one of the people i'm talking about and that and it's okay but you go into a hunting camp and people go into this elaborate, exaggerated story about how they lost the meat and that's all they can talk about. And it's like, you're just making yourself feel better here because you know good and well that you're excited you're getting that deer's horns because that's why you shot him to begin with. Uh-huh. So just be honest about it. It's, you hate that you lost the meat, but you're glad that you got to recover the deer, honor the deer, put the horns you know, up for display, and that's what you shot him for to begin with. So stop being trying to be holier then you have to be and just admit it. I mean, shit, it's okay. She went in there and wired the horns up so the coyotes wouldn't take it, you know, haul it off. Y'all's coyotes eat horns? 
Do what? Y'all's coyotes eat no, horns? No, drag, drag the carcass off somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I didn't just want to ruin my joke, Colin. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't know if you were picking up on that or not. I, was <laughs> I knew exactly what worried. it was. I was just kind of like, I'm going to take that 10-day old skull to Harmon, too, so he can boil it out for me. That would be nice. I bet you Harmon's going to really appreciate that, Steve. Oh, oh he's going to cuss me out. <laughs> Probably. I'm sure Harmon's going to really appreciate oh, yeah. that rotten deer head that he's got. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Disgusting. All right, well, it's time for us to get dressed and go hunting. We've uh, rambled on long enough. And, uh, Pepper's got to go kill Lox deer, so yeah. he's going to come I'm slipping right, I, down, right look, on down Pepper, that draw. Pepper, 35. Nah, he's going to be about 13. Pepper can say all too. the gar hole stuff he won't, but I'm putting him in my spot. I've been looking at that spot since we leased this property. I went and hung a stand in there, and this is the first north wind on a November day, and Pepper's going to be the one sitting there. And we've hunted it twice and only seen two deer off of it. <laughs> can't say anything because he's right. <laughs> what? I can't say nothing because you're right. <laughs> well, we could have seen no deer off of it. Well, we did one time. They were over there in the woods blowing at us. Because <laughs> we were hunting it on the wrong wind. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I hope you shoot one, Pepper. I really do. I hope you do, too. I hope you don't shoot the deer that I shot. <laughs> All right, just as a reminder, we're giving away the bow. Go buy a hat at LouisianaBowHunter.com. Y'all are responding to the giveaway really well. We appreciate it. Colin's got a lot of work to do when we get back home. Yeah, I got a lot so of work to fill Friday. Yeah, if, if, if it – just as a disclaimer, we apologize. This time of the year, if our stuff doesn't get shipped out as soon as you would like it to, we apologize. We're just a small shop, and we hunt a lot. And so there, there goes gaps in days where we're not able to go up to the warehouse and get stuff sent out. We apologize for that, but uh, we're getting them all out as quickly as we can. But if you want to win the bow, you got to buy a hat off LouisianaBowHunter.com. And if you buy multiple hats, buy one for everybody on your Christmas list, and you'll get that many entries in to win the bow. So uh, we will be back at it. This, I guess this, this podcast won't drop until next week. So it will, all of this stuff, will, all these videos and stuff will be out there online. You can go look at them and and whatnot and uh we're gonna go try to see if pepper can't actually i think when this drops it's the, it's the next week we've got one for yeah that's what he's about well, i think when this one drops i think rifle season will be open and raffle 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 the orange army the orange army well no we have one we have one coming out friday in two days and that's then it'll right. be the next yeah week. i'm sorry yeah, next you're week. right yeah so we appreciate y'all listening and uh we will talk to you week after next thank you for listening to this week's episode of the louisiana bowhunter podcast if you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com and if you want to help support louisiana bowhunter go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise if you don't have any at your local shop let us know and we'll reach out to them or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day see you next week